Welcome to The Faithful Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Scott, with Compassion International. The Word of God is filled with the voices of mothers, daughters, sisters, and wives. Each of their stories shows us different sides of God's kindness, love, and faithfulness, and how that faithfulness is just as active and present today as it was thousands of years ago. The Faithful Project is a gathering of female poets, songwriters, authors, and storytellers creating a space for them to dive into the stories of the ancient and mysterious women of the Word and to learn and share about their own stories in the process. We are so glad you've joined us today as we speak of what we've seen. episode, we sit down with singer-songwriters Krista Wells and Sarah Kroger, as well as author and songwriter Jenny Owens, to talk about the story of Hannah from 1 Samuel. They discuss the challenges of failing the standards set by society, praying with an open voice, and what it means to be honest with God. Sarah reminds us not to worry. Nothing you can say will shock him. Let's jump in. I'm Krista Wells, and I'm a singer-songwriter in Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, Krista. <laughs> awesome. Hi, Jenny. Uh, hi. Hi. Okay. Um, so I guess I'll go then. Um, yeah. I'm Jenny Owens, and I um, was so excited to be one of the writers on this album, and very, very fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm Sarah Kroger, and I am also a singer-songwriter living in Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. <laughs> and excited to be on this project as well. Yeah. So special. And yeah, we're talking about Hannah. So Krista, since you have the printout of (laughs) the scripture, do you want to paraphrase or? Yeah, I'll give the very short version. That's a good idea. And then you guys jump in with, you know, key points that you, that stuck out to you that maybe I didn't include. So the gist of it is Hannah was one of two wives married to Elkanah. And she had her husband's love, but she was not able to bear children. Mm-hmm. And probably, be, well, I, I'm assuming from the story that it, because she had his love and affection, the other wife experienced a lot of jealousy towards her mm. and was harsh towards her. And um, so she, had, she was living in this day-to-day tension, relational tension, with the other wife, but she also just had a deep longing of her own to bear a child for her husband. And so she goes to pray at the temple and Eli, the priest there, overhears her weeping and talking. Um, It says her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And to the priest, she appeared to be drunk. And so he chastises her for her drunkenness. And she says, listen, I'm not drunk. Please don't misunderstand. I'm a woman with deep grief and anguish, Mm. and Mm. I'm praying, and I'm asking God to to meet me in this. And uh, Eli says, oh, okay, go in peace. May God grant you what you've asked for. And he does. God gives her a child, and Mm. she has told the Lord before she became pregnant, this is what I will do. Uh, If you grant me a child, then um, I commit that I will I will dedicate him and his life to you and take him to the temple. So Elkanah supports her in that, and that's what she does. 
when he's three years old, she takes him and says, hey, priest, I'm the woman who <laughs> was here a while back. And you thought um, I was drunk. You thought I was <laughs> yes. drunk, but turns out I wasn't. And look how, <laughs> look how God has granted what we asked of him. And mm. now I'm going to give him back to the Lord. So that's the overview of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Mm. What might be interesting to think about here too is sort of the context of what's going on outside of the scripture. So this story comes right after uh, the book of Judges. (laughs) So it comes just after a time where, um, you know, the key theme of Judges is that everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. Mm. Um, It's a very dark time in Israel fraught with, you know, people who are sort of leading the nation and aren't, aren't great leaders Maybe they're devout for a time and then they go back to doing their own thing. And so not a good time. And even um, as we see folks in the coming to the tabernacle um, to worship, a, a lot of times weren't very devout and devoted, which we see as the book of Samuel goes on. And so, for instance, um, two things that are very significant that we can gather from the story after we know that context is, first of all, we get that Elkanah is a really devout man mm-hmm. in a certain sense because he is making the trek to the to the tabernacle to worship. And that's something that people were generally not doing. And we mm-hmm. also get the fact that people are not generally doing that because of how Eli, the priest, thinks that this woman is drunk. Mm-hmm. So he's not used to actually seeing people pray and mm-hmm. do what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that we can note from the context is a problem that we always see in the Old Testament when there's more than one wife. It just never mm. bodes well for anyone. <laughs> no. No. no, it only it took them a, a, what a few hundred thousand years to figure that out. To figure that out. Oh, figure out yeah. Guys, oh, guys, yeah. one it's is like, enough. What in the world? It's yeah. just never. It never bodes well. Not yeah. a good idea. Just no. not a good idea. No, and and I do think it's a helpful um, point. Sometimes people think that when something's in the Bible, that means God wants us to do it, or that mm. means God's okay with it. I mean, in a certain sense, He did not insist at that point. At least He did not insist you couldn't marry two wives. It just it never went well. It was not right. certainly was not recommended. And, um, and like Kristen mentioned, we see that the other thing is in society, if you, you know, it's really sad if in our time you want to have a child, then you can't. Mm -hmm. But in Hannah's time, if you did not have a child, you just, I mean, as a woman, you hardly were seen by society. But if you don't have a child, you're really not seen Mm -hmm. by society. You're not respected at all. So Hannah is, Mm -hmm. is saddened because she has no child. Um, she was probably the first wife, mm. which we know because her name is first. And mm. Panina was very likely, like most commentators think that she was probably the second wife, um, brought, <laughs> brought on because Hannah couldn't have mm, children. That makes sense. Yeah. So then Panina is, um, having, you know, probably pretty bitter because she's, you know, the child bearer, but right. she's not the one who's loved and Hannah is having trouble for the opposite reason. So mm-hmm. every time they go to worship, it's like the noise is a fever pitch. Oh you know? my gosh. I can't imagine the dynamic between them though, as the two wives and like right. Hannah feeling probably just, I mean, can you imagine what she felt, you know, like right. all of the burden of not being able to bear a child on top of the societal pressures on top of you know, wanting to love her husband and provide for her husband well, and all, like all all of those all of those mm-hmm. things, and the dynamic between those two wives, like you said, Jenny, like that never goes well. Right. You know, like 
what is the dynamic that she's walking into the temple with? Like Mm -hmm. all of the things that she's carrying when she goes before the Lord. I don't know. I'm just kind of dumbfounded by that right right off the bat. Yeah. Right. And all the suffering, like we were talking about over lunch, the suffering that's caused by the meanings we attach to things. And Mm. so the, as you were saying, Ginny, it's hard to handle not being able to do in life what we want to do. We want Mm -hmm. to bear a child and we can't bear a child. Mm -hmm. That's hard enough. But if there's this additional story attached to it by society that, oh, if you can't have a child, this means this and Mm -hmm. this means that, then it's doubly hard. And so I think it's, it makes me, you know, again, want to pay attention to my own life and where am I suffering extra because Mm. of the meanings Mm -hmm. I've attached to things that may not be God's meaning or God's story. It's just a story, you know? Right. Or what's, what's even preventing us from, you know, like in a sense, there's a wall between Hannah and God. She can't worship. She can't go to him Mm. because all these things, this noise is so Mm. loud. It's so heavy on her heart. And yeah, so like, I, I agree. I think the, like what you're saying, like what, what suffering have I attached or, or even just, what noise is just mm-hmm. sort of drowning the voice of God out in my life, you know? Yeah. But the prayer part is so cool, right? Because she she goes in and I mean, I wish I wish I could do this in prayer all the time. She's so honest, first of all, with her desire. Mm. And I don't know about you guys, mm-hmm. I would love to hear this, but like I have had many seasons in my life where I've prayed polite prayers mm-hmm. and they just drive a wall between me and God. Kind of like, I don't really go to him with whatever is just, you know, gripping me mm-hmm. and and she does here. And so, you know, she's honest, she's honest with Eli about the right. weakness that, um, you know, that comes, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm a grieved woman right. pouring out my anguished spirit. You know, she mm-hmm. kind of gives God her anger. She gives him yeah. her desire. She takes everything and says, this is, this is what I have. This is what I'm bringing to you. Yeah. And she doesn't feel the need to apologize for any of it, right. To mm-hmm. either Eli or to the Lord. Like she just comes with everything that she is and just mm-hmm. says, this is, this is what I have. Mm-hmm. This right. is all that I have. My broken heart. And just, lays it before the Lord with such honesty, like you're saying, like such vulnerability. It really encourages me like in my own life. Like there's again, so many times like you, Jenny, where I've prayed those quote unquote polite prayers or felt like I just had to just have the right words before I could go to God or like know exactly what I was asking for or exactly what he wanted from me. And that's Mm -hmm. just not what he wants from us. Mm -hmm. Actually, he wants us to be real, right? He wants us, he wants a real relationship with us. He's not afraid of our mess. He's Mm -hmm. not, um, angered by it. He's not Mm -hmm. distressed by it. Like nothing is going to shock him. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? So just like the invitation to be honest before the Lord, to be honest with yourself and come with everything that you are. That's what Hannah's story invites me to. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys ever, um, I, I was just looking back at that, how she prayed and her lips were moving, even Mm -hmm. though she wasn't audible to him. Do you guys ever talk out loud to God mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Especially living alone. Yeah. I, I always talk out loud to God. That's pretty much how it goes. I love yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have, especially in my car. That's where I, I find myself talking out loud mm-hmm. quite often to God. Yeah. 
I think that's you? really beautiful. Yes, I definitely. I talk to God and to myself and to the trees yeah. <laughs> and to people I'm mad at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do me it all. Too. I'm so glad somebody else does that. It makes me feel oh, yeah. so much better. But I always I think somebody that. would think I was a lunatic if they had a hidden camera. In oh, oh, totally. No. <laughs> totally. Well, I, I was uh, walking with my son in the forest a few months ago, and he said, it's pretty weird to talk to trees, mom. And I said, uh, I think it's pretty weird not to. Mm. <laughs> there you go. There so, you but go. but it makes me um, think about her earnestness. When you when you actually use your voice, there's even less mm. restraint, right? You're yeah. you're mm. um, outwardly with your body. Um, it's it's like you're not going to move your mouth and talk out loud, yeah, necessarily, unless you really believe there's somebody listening in a way mm-hmm. like you know it, it feels mm. like to to say it only in your heart is fine there's nothing wrong with that but that right. does does show some restraint right mm-hmm. and I think especially as women um having felt silenced a lot mm. in our lives there's something important I guess about yeah. the ability to use our voices mm. Absolutely. out loud and mm. I think it helps us remember that God actually listens and wants to be in dialogue yeah. with us. You know, it's, he's, he's not uh, in the flesh here with us, but he is, I mean, I love that verse in, what is it? Psalm twenty five fourteen that says the friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him or those who honor him. And to them, he makes his secrets known. So he, he wants mm. to tell us his secrets and, mm. you know, so to come to him And I think too, one of the things that I've been sort of working on learning in my life is um, to come to him and voice my desires means that he can then work in those desires. Like if Mm. those aren't maybe the best ideas for me, at least we're dialoguing about it and Mm. he can change those desires, you Mm. know, and he can, you know, work in them. But, but I'm talking to him, Mm. like what you're saying, Krista, like Mm -hmm. to just be voicing those things to him is so key. Mm. I love that. That's beautiful. Well, how do you guys feel like this story relates to your life? Do you, like, how do you connect with it from a personal, maybe there's a personal experience that you've had that maybe this speaks to, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to recall if there's, there've been so many things that I've asked God for. Yeah. And, and many things I've gotten to experience that I wanted to experience and not all the things, you know, Mm -hmm. there, this, these stories, all the stories in the Bible, but they raise as many questions as they give answer to, mm-hmm. right? You know, what was it that, what is it that makes the difference? Is it the, does the asking mean we will receive? Mm-hmm. You know, the asking with trust that whatever the outcome, I've just been practicing in my own life how to acknowledge desire. Whereas in the past, mm-hmm. maybe I would try to tamp it down because mm-hmm. I thought it was bad to mm-hmm. want this. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, or, you know, to want good experience, like to want anything for yourself was selfish in, in my head, you okay. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so I've been in a space where I'm like Hannah, trying to be honest about yeah. my desires. Yeah. And at the same time, maybe a little unlike Hannah, um, not asking God to do it in a certain, in one particular way to respond in a certain way, yeah. but mm-hmm. being less attached to a particular outcome yeah. and yeah. more like, the, I, I have this desire, but I trust you to surprise me with something. Mm-hmm. My, maybe that's better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. I love what, that. What about you guys? 
something I've been thinking about a lot is faithfulness and what that actually means. Mm -hmm. So especially in this time of pandemic, um, I, there was a song that I heard at church recently. I can't remember. It's like a Bethel song about, uh, oh, it's all my life. You have been faithful all my life. You've been so, so good. And I feel like for me, it's faithfulness doesn't automatically mean that you're going to have it easy. Basically like faithfulness Mm -hmm doesn't automatically mean that everything's going to be taken care of and everything that you ever wanted is going to be answered. And faithfulness for me looks different than faithfulness for even someone um, who has a different life experience or a different uh, financial um, status than I have. Like basically I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot, like uh, on the street that I live on, there's tons of poor people that live on the street homeless people that live on the street. And I've thought to myself, just because they live on the street, does that mean that God hasn't been faithful to them? Mm-hmm. And just because I have better, uh, like a home and I'm married and all of these things in my life, does that mean that I, that God's been more faithful to me than my friends who are single? Does that like things like that mm-hmm. in my head? It doesn't though. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean like God's faithfulness can't be equated in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, can't be, counted, I guess, in that way. And so I've just been really like struggling through that and thinking through that, like, what does faithfulness actually mean? Hmm. I don't have an answer for it. I just, it's been a question that I've been asking myself because I think I've too often thought that faithfulness equated, everything's going to be taken care of. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you know, what's so interesting in this story that I think dovetails with that perfectly is what we see is that Hannah's prayer, Hannah's dialogue with God, Hannah's pouring out to God, in that she receives something. She she mm. gains a deep sense of his strength because she sings about it and his faithfulness. Because mm. what we're told is that she comes away and she eats. Right. And that she's peaceful. And that right. she has a kid. Uh, she has a child. And she... Um, <laughs> kid, so slang. She has a child. She brings him to the temple as she promised, um, or to the tabernacle as she promised. And so then what? She's in her same position again. She does eventually have some kids, but she's again in the in the tabernacle worshiping mm. with Tanina and Elkanah and no child. Right. Because she's she's mm-hmm. left her child there. And yet somehow mm. God's faithfulness is is sticking in her heart. Mm. And, I mean, and that's one of the things I think so beautiful because I've actually been wrestling a lot just even with all we've gone through this year with yeah. thinking about God's faithfulness. And I think that's one of the reasons that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we hear about the beauty of uh, the blessed are, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit or blessed Mm. are the meek, blessed are the humble. Because in a certain sense, you know, when you are in need, I think at least my experience has been with people I've known, when you are in need, you have a much easier time receiving God's faithfulness. Mm. You know, you're sort Mm -hmm. of eager for it. I think in in a certain sense, Um, you understand it you understand kind of how life works and that everyone doesn't get the same and that people's circumstances change. So I think in in some beautiful ways, God endows uh, the poor with a certain spirit of wisdom that we don't, we don't all get to have. It's kind of like every one of us with our own life challenges and personal experiences, God allows some certain insight that others don't have, Mm, you know, into his faithfulness. Mm. Yeah. And that just, that is, yeah, so many good points in there. And 
when you said how she returned to being childless, in mm. effect, I was thinking, oh, isn't that wonderful to think about, though, that what she was really after was to be seen by God, to be mm. heard by God. We mm. want the connection. And the child had a story attached to it. Having a child had meaning attached to it. And so mm. not having a, a child in that for her, in her experience, felt like abandonment, felt mm. like being overlooked. Mm -hmm. She says, please don't forget mm -hmm. your servant, right? Mm -hmm. And so he shows her, uh, you are not forgotten, mm -hmm. you are seen. And even though I'm sure she loved and adored her son, it was probably heartbreaking mm. to release him yeah. for her personally. But what her deepest heart's desire was to be seen and connected with God. Mm -hmm. And that's what she was really asking for, and that's what she really got. So it also brings into question the whole idea of what is a blessing because it's yeah, really, yeah. Mm -hmm. a, a, there's not a static thing that is always a blessing or always a curse. No mm -hmm. circumstance, no tangible object right. is always a blessing. Wealth yeah. can be a curse right. or it can be a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. um, I myself have had lots of money. I have had yeah. no money. I've experienced yeah. both mm -hmm. sides of, of that and there was blessing in both. Mm -hmm. And so I think, Really, that's a beautiful aspect of that. I'm glad you brought up that yeah. she, her pain started to be relieved the moment she connected with God in the temple, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. went away, ate something, no longer downcast. That was before she was pregnant. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, before that. she knew that he answered a prayer. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then after like every year she brings Samuel, it tells us in chapter, later in chapter two, that every Every year, she'd bring him new little outfits. Mm. I mean, what in the world? What kind of sacrifice is that? Like, <laughs> I keep giving my son back to you. I keep, wow. I keep doing it. I keep doing it. So, um, oh, the persistence crazy. of that, the obedience of it, the yeah. surrender. It, well, and it makes me think, too, of just how hard it is to pray mm -hmm. Um when we don't see change happening mm -hmm. and I, how many people I know, and I have been this person and I'm sure you guys have maybe been this person too, or you at least know people who have, you just, like we were talking about earlier, polite prayers, you give up on praying. You kind of say, Hey God, thanks for the day. Goodbye. Or maybe you just <laughs> you say goodbye. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not quite that simple, but you know, you just, you don't, yeah, you know, like they're, they're friends you have shallow conversations with, you know? And so we do that to God. And I, I mean, I know so many people who have stopped praying altogether because a deep pain in their life mm -hmm. or a deep weakness or a deep challenge has not been healed. Mm. So they've just stopped taking it to God. And I think like what we're talking about, just the, the beauty of continuing to come back and dialogue with God. It's almost like we learn this in the Psalms too, like when things aren't going your way, pray harder, like keep right. going. You've got to talk to God about why you feel failed and like mm. that he's failed or that you're failing or whatever. You, you keep that dialogue going. Mm -hmm. And I, like for me, one of the things that, I mean, there's a whole long list, but yeah. you know, one for me in the past has been singleness. And I remember when yeah. I stopped asking God to change my singleness. Then I just started dating people. I, sh I had no business dating. Mm. So, um, but, but even just simple things like as a person who can't see, mm -hmm. I've always thought it was my job to have inner grit, inner strength that sort of surpassed everything, you know, mm. like I could manage my life. So maybe God was there to help me in a certain sense, 
but it was really up to me to make everything happen. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. what I always learned from Hannah is, you know, she basically shed her idea of strength, her idea of just kind of coping, getting through and, and sort of put on God's strength and Mm -hmm. and really rested in that as Mm -hmm. she went about doing really hard things, like Mm -hmm. continually to give her, you know, bring clothes for her son every Mm -hmm. year, just you know, that, that took supernatural strength to do. Mm-hmm. I think one of the ways that I relate to this story is in my life, I've struggled a lot with anxiety and depression. Um, and it's in those moments that I felt incredibly distant from God in those moments where I felt like, why have you left me? Why mm-hmm. have you abandoned me? Kind mm-hmm. of like what Hannah was saying, like, why, please don't forget me. Mm-hmm. But it's in, it's so hard in those moments of your life where you feel like completely and utterly alone, um, to even see God at work at all. Mm-hmm. But looking back on those moments now, being in a place where I'm not struggling with it, at least at the moment, mm-hmm. um, I literally can see how God's hand was all over it, all mm-hmm. over my life in those moments, how God was truly close to my brokenheartedness. You know, like how it says in the Psalms, God mm-hmm. is close to the brokenhearted mm-hmm. and how his hand was all over my story, how he was guiding me to people that I needed to get healing from or guidance from, right. how he was with me closer than my breath in those moments, like closer than he's ever been. Mm-hmm. And so I just draw strength from Hannah's story in that way, like just not being afraid of suffering, I guess, in my life and realizing that sometimes those moments of suffering, our greatest moments of suffering are the things that draw us closer to God, Mm -hmm. are the very things that help us to open our eyes to see him at work, are the very things that just draw us closer to his heart, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's nothing to be, it's not something to be afraid of, Um, but I mean, obviously no one wants to suffer, you know, (laughs) like obviously we don't, we don't want to pray for that in our life, but yeah, that's just something that I I was thinking about when, when I was listening to her story and the ways Mm -hmm. that she wasn't afraid of inviting God into those places of deepest suffering and heartache and pain and the ways that he showed up, I guess, you know? Well, and then they caused her to erupt in song, essentially, Mm. because we get a whole, you know, whatever, 13, 12 verses of her song in the next chapter. So it's not even like he just helps you get through, but, you know, and I'm sure it's the same in your life. Like Mm. on the other side, there's a song to be sung. Mm. You know, there's a song that goes down for generations that, that, um, you know, we still know to this day that Hannah sang. Mm. Yeah, I think that one of the aspects of her story that resonates the most with me. It's a little bit less the asking for what she wanted, although that does, the honesty there does resonate with me. But I think what speaks to me most in this season of my life is the letting go of what she's already received. Mm -hmm. I'm saying in the end, it's not mine to keep. Mm. Right. So it's like, I'm, I'm willing to receive this joy and this Mm. good gift, but I am not going to let myself cling to it. Because mm-hmm. she could mm-hmm. have tried that, right? Mm-hmm. She could have received right. it and then said, Just I, think I, I, think, <laughs> I think I heard God say he doesn't want me to go totally dedicate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. But but she honored that commitment to not cling. Mm-hmm. I will give him back to you, yeah. which is, the, you know, maybe harder in some ways than the things I've not received. Mm-hmm. You know, they say that like mm-hmm. we, perce- that humans perceive loss 
in greater proportion than things received of the same value. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you lose 50 bucks, it's going to hurt you way more than if you found 50 bucks you weren't expecting. And so I think about that, like she could have gone her whole life and had that suffering of never having had a child. But in a way, having a child and sending it back could be more painful. So true. And so true. That's where you kind of go, wow, there's a whole supernatural thing happening Mm -hmm. here. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's such a, like to the book of Samuel, there's, the heart is such an issue. The heart is kind of at the center of everything and and God desiring a heart that is for him and God's heart being for his people. We see that and we see that in Hannah and well, we see it also in in just in Elkanah, just like that they're devout. They're a family that seeks the Lord, Mm -hmm. even if it did make, even if he did marry two women, but (laughs) there is something about just the beauty of, of our hearts being open to receiving from from God and and being willing mm. to let go, you know, of the things that that we don't understand or the things that we can't have, mm-hmm. and just our hearts being right. you know, touched and moved and changed by His heart somehow in mm-hmm. the process. Mm. Right, letting go is, I think, one of the hardest things to do. It is absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. It's hard to let go of your dreams, your hopes, your thoughts, your, you know, all of, all of those types of things. What you imagined for your life. Yeah. What you imagined control. I mean, if that's anything that I've learned in 2020 is that control is an illusion (laughs) and it's not possible, but it's actually not the type of life that I want to live. Like I don't want to live a life with clenched fists, like clinging on to absolutely everything that Mm -hmm. God gives me. Like that's not or, or that life hands to me, right? Like I, I don't want to live my life like that. I'd rather live my hand, my, my life with open hands, just mm-hmm. ready to receive anything that the Lord desires to give me, you know, right. like receive his will, receive the gifts that he wants to bestow upon me. Because when you, when you're living life with clenched hands, you can't like receive, yeah, you know, like you're like clinging on to your life, the way that you think it's supposed to be, the, the way that your life is the road you're supposed to take and your thoughts and your plans. And it just doesn't, doesn't work. You know, right. <laughs> like you keep saying like having the two spouses or, you know, any, any number of things in life that you try to just control. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. The interesting thing about that, um, almost ironically is that what you're describing, that releasing the tendency to try to control all the externals it actually fosters an internal power, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and so you then realize what you do have control over is how mm. you're going to interact with what surprises you in life, what disappoints mm. you, yeah. what disappoints you, what delights you. You can interact mm. with your desires and with God, and and in that you become more powerful on mm. the inside, which actually gives you more influence over mm. the external world. It, you, you will never have control. We will never have control right. over all the things, but we exert a more positive power in our own life mm. when we are in the right place inside. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. Mm-hmm. Release the outside. You find a better spot inside, which allows you to navigate the outside mm-hmm. more effectively. Yes. So true. So true. So true. That's been a big 2020 <laughs> lesson for me, I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's just going, what do I have? Because in that it hasn't resonated with me either the idea of you can totally create 
your whole world. You can totally create. That doesn't resonate, but neither does you control nothing. It's, I can't control any, all the things out there. Right. Yeah. But I realize I've realized how much, especially when I went through my divorce several yeah. years ago, how much my internal world was yeah. victim, victim, mm-hmm. despair, fear, yeah. and that continued to create havoc outside of me mm-hmm. because I was operating out of fear and reactivity. Yeah, I like had terrible car <laughs> problems, like mm. backing my, like doing stupid, reckless things that were always in moments where I was feeling panicky mm. because of uh, the lack of control mm, that yeah. I had outside. And mm. then I created this spin cycle of mm. <laughs> chaos. Mm. So I feel like there, there's something about Hannah in that too. I feel like she could have felt like a victim especially in the yeah. opening of the story, you know? Right. I mean, what was it like when they weren't at the tabernacle, you know, and she's having yes. to put on a good face while yeah. Hannah or while Penina and her kids are walking around everywhere. Oh, I mean, man. She, they had to get along sometimes maybe, or either it was just constant madness. I can't imagine. I can't imagine, but I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, and well, I don't know. I don't know if people felt like victims, but I imagine in some, in some way she must've felt like this is just not fair or Mm, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know, you know, what, I don't know how to control it. I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. And then then when she meets God, it, it all, you know, the light goes on and there, Mm. there becomes a peace in the midst of, of her chaos and and her victimhood even just goes away. She doesn't need it. But, but that, I, that same thing resonated with me in the story too, Krista is just, okay, nope, not a victim. I, yeah, I can think through these things. I can meet with God on these things that are happening in my life and, um, can walk through them. Yeah. I wonder how much she was having to suppress day to day. Mm -hmm. You know, you're probably having to cook together, you know, clean, do all of these things together. And, there must have, you know, just been so much, maybe that moment with God where she's just like, like letting it all out was such a huge relief because she, because of all she was containing, you know, trying to contain within her body, Mm -hmm. all of that animosity or jealousy or self-pity or Mm -hmm. disappointment, all of the things. All of it. Yeah. It's really, that's something you hear a lot about these days too, is the toll it takes on your body to harbor all of that, you know, Mm -hmm. not have an outlet for it. Right. Right. You know, the other thing that comes to mind as we kind of talk through her story is just the bigger purpose Mm. uh, that her story played in in God's story. But just, I I think about this for all of us, you know, when, you know, as we change, Mm. how is that changing and impacting the stories of the people that are in our lives and, and the bigger stories that we're living and it probably changes it for good, you know, as we go to God and, and dialogue with him honestly and relinquish control of certain things mm-hmm. to him, you know, how does that change the way we live? And, and probably in most ways or in many ways, it, you know, it, it brings growth. So it, it makes our stories better. And as we see with Hannah, you know, Samuel is this wonderful child <laughs> who has the heart that his mother had for God. Hmm. And he grows up to have a heart for his people and, you know, anoint King David Hmm. um, and and Saul in there too. But, you know, (laughs) he he anoints King David, which is the better story. And and even um, as, as she sings, you know, she sings of, I mean, they didn't know anything about Kings yet. You know, they're still in judges land at this point. Hmm. So she's singing of the King to come 
uh, in mm. her song. And she's singing even of, of pointing to the Messiah, like this greater King to come, um, mm. which is so beautiful. I think, uh, I'm just going to find this verse really quick. She says, those who uh, oppose the Lord will be shattered, but she says, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his King. He will lift up the horn, which is like strength of mm. his anointed. Mm. So like, they don't even know anything about kings and she's already kind of got this foresight mm. into what's to come, you know, which is really cool too, to just think a couple of things I've read have kind of termed it like Hannah's decision to turn to the Lord in essence changed history. Right. You know, because of her, wow, her desire to be involved in God's greater story. In God's greater story. Mm, yeah. It just, for me, it reminds me like that you and I, are each part of a greater story mm -hmm. and that we're seen, right? Like, yeah. I feel like it's so easy sometimes to um, just get caught up in this idea that God is so grandiose and out there and just how, I mean, he created the stars and the universe and the world around mm -hmm. us. And how could he think of me? But he does, you know, like yeah. not only does he think of us, he writes our story. He creates our story. He's orchestrating our lives. He's, he's working for our good. Even when we aren't, aren't, even when we're, you know, like lost and afraid and feeling like we're again, forgotten, abandoned, uh, passed over. He's never away from us. Mm -hmm. He's always by our side, always at work for us. And, and we're a part of a greater story like Hannah is. It just reminds me that I'm not alone. Yeah. Reminds mm -hmm. me that I'm not um, that I'm always seen, yeah. you know, absolutely. We're never far from his sight. Yeah. I think that one of the probably most pervasive and the most kind of sneaky, subtle lies we can believe is that, yeah, we're not seen. We're not known what we do today. doesn't matter. Yeah. Hmm. So not true. Right. So no. not true. Like I, I like to think that of people as being and everything on the planet as being expressions of God himself. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know those uh, books that were popular a while back, maybe they still are for little kids where it's like the other side of the story. You would read Flip about it. like Snow White yeah. and then you read about the Wicked Witch or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you yeah. hear but I think it would be so beautiful if we could hear this story narrated from God's side. Like mm -hmm. how, how delighted was God when she came and was talking to him? Right. Yeah. And what did he hear her say? Mm -hmm. And how did he light up? Because he, right. I believe strongly that God is creativity. God is yeah. the generator, right, of life and and beauty. And that, you know, when you're talking about being that we are seen mm. and we're seen and we're cherished and even beyond that, like he wants to create stuff with us. Yeah. And he wanted to create another human with yeah. with Hannah. Mm -hmm. He wanted that privilege and joy of creating yeah. life with her. And it just must have been such a beautiful moment, a beautiful dance that the two of them had where when she brings Samuel back and he mm. smiles and claps yeah. probably. He's like, yeah, I love that we're doing this together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I, I love, love that. that. Good nourishing words to kind of just think about again mm. and again. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To learn more about our music, books, merchandise, or when a faithful event will be coming near you, 
please visit us at faithfulproject.com or follow us on social media at Faithful Project. The Faithful Project is brought to you by Compassion International, Integrity Music, and David C. Cook Publishing. To find out how you can play a vital role in releasing children from poverty, please visit Compassion.com faithful. Until next time, now go and speak.